welcome back to the Eclectic Collection. It is episode 65 today, and I'm just going to call this awesome sci-fi movies because the reality is I can't even narrow it down to a top 10 even if I wanted to. I love sci-fi. I love horror. I love suspense. I love thrillers. And I have to say, even if I had to pick a genre, honestly, I don't know that I could. And if I had to lean toward one that I watch more often than not, it would probably be sci-fi. As much as I do like horror and the others, I just think sci-fi is this perfect fusion of smart, nerdy people doing cool things with weird stuff like aliens or whatever. And I wanted to talk about some of my favorites because tis the season to be spooky and sci-fi and horror and thriller. I just really like the fall. And I don't think I'm a fall enthusiast as much as other people. My sister's totally obsessed with fall, um, which is ironic because she was born on Christmas. But I have always been a... Um, I guess more of a winter person. So I, I like the cold a lot. I like snow a lot. I really like the holidays. Of course, I'm partial to summer just because I feel like that's my free time in my world. But um, fall, it's cool. It's neat. I like the crisp and the apples and the pumpkin whatnot. And, and I really, really like Thanksgiving and I really, really like Halloween. But they're not really my jam. I, I, I don't own them, but they're cool. And one of the things that I find happens because of the spookiness is that you get horror movies rolled out or sci-fi movies rolled out. Although I feel like summer sometimes is also sci-fi movie time, but you usually get the horror movies and the sci-fi movies kind of rolling out more than usual in the fall because they want to catch the uh, Halloween traffic. So to that end, these are some of the most awesome things that I've ever liked in no apparent order whatsoever, but uh, I'll probably pick a winner in the end. And I think if you're a diehard, uh, person that likes sci-fi that you already know what the winner is because you it's not even a question but um in the in the book of me according to me and nobody else i really really like um aliens and the aliens franchise i i'm partial to the second one aliens so alien comes out in the 70s and it's cool and even though it's kind of dated with the tech at the moment it's still got a lot of jump scares very neat really like the way it was done ridley scott did a fantastic job and Aliens comes out years later in the mid-80s and blows away the first one, which is, is an odd thing because you don't always get that uh, sequel being better situation. It's, it's very rare. It's extremely rare. And this holds up. Now, they go on to make a three and a four. And uh, then it kind of went a little weird. So I love the Sigourney Weaver story. Um, I really liked that they carried over the story, even though they really didn't carry over the people. And I think the strongest one is Aliens, but I would have to say that um, three kind of got a little strange. Four got even weirder, but they bring in like, what, Winona Ryder? Like, what are you doing? And then they started going this Prometheus route, and you start to see these fusions of Alien versus Predator. Now, Predator being on my list, of course, as well. Really liking Predator. Again, old school. And two, not so great. But when they started making AVP and you have Aliens versus Predator, they create this whole other sub-story, this other plot, this entire mythological perfectness where the two of them can go together as Hunter and Hunted. And it was really fantastic because no one really thought about them other than independently prior to. So that is great. Creates a new story. Alien versus Predator 2, Requiem, again, not so great. Looked like they were just trying to crank it out and 
ride some waves of lots of bullets and let's shoot things that are foreign. Didn't really work out too well. Xena, Xenomorphs, if you will. And then they get back to the story again with the most recent releases. So, And I think they're actually going to build that up again and, and, and have another one come out. So that whole, um, independently, both franchises are, are good. And then together they actually reinforced one another and, and made it really... Uh, likable, watchable, almost historic, which is funny because you're taking complete mythology and turning it into history as if, like, obviously, when the aliens landed, and of course that. They even build in Waylon as the character who, uh, you know, becomes Lance Henriksen, who, of course, becomes the android in the other one, but then you find out that he's mimicked after the guy that was the rich guy who was behind everything. It's just very cool, so... Um, I guess I should say spoiler alert, but I'm assuming that you know these movies. So, uh, everything with Alien and everything with Predator, very cool. Um... Independence Day, more modern, you know, 96, the original. Then they come back with the second one. Still salty that my boy Will Smith from Philly, as much as uh, I really like him, I was upset that he didn't come back for that. I thought he should have, um, just saying. But Independence Day was, was a star-studded cast, came out around 4th of July weekend in 96. Very neat for the practical effects, and it still holds up in technological world because they had a nice fusion of blowing up little models of things and then also having the actual CGI that was kind of new at the time and uh, neat movie, you know, uh, a lot of people in it, decent plot, longer movie, um, but I really liked it. And the, the second one holds up as well. And, and it's great that most of the original cast was able to come back again. <clears throat> well spent. Um, so that was cool. That was a uh, uh, modern day look on if we all had to just shut up and get along as earth versus someone else and I like that theme because you don't see that too often it's usually like some isolated pocket of people and you know there's zombies or there's an alien or there's a threat or there's a slasher or there's a killer or whatever and then that city or state or town or maybe even the U.S. or whatever has to fight it but this was global so much like things and events that we've had to deal with lately this was earth versus in this case aliens but um, at least the alien wasn't a killer amoeba or virus. So uh, pretty neat. So I like that thematically. And of course, the little speech in the end was cool with the president and the fact that the president goes and fights with them. That was, it was very cool. Um, the Core. Don't make fun of me. The Core is probably a lesser known movie. A lot of famous people in it. Um, Aaron Eckhart being number one and Hilary Swank, I believe. And uh, other people do. But The Core is... Uh, Stanley Tucci plays this obnoxious scientist, very full of himself, had some discoveries, they cause issues, Earth stops spinning. Okay, is this plausible? Probably not. But if you just suspend total reality for a minute, it is a perfect fusion of nerdy people solve a problem and nerds win. It is, in, it's not pragmatic. <laughs> it's It's not typical. And it's awesome. And in the end, nerds win. They pull every nerd from every country. And again, Earth has to solve a problem. It reminded me of Apollo 13, which although that's more historical, uh, not really sci-fi, good movie reference though. There's that great scene where, uh, and I, I think Ron Howard did a, a great job at, at portraying all this, but uh, I mean, who doesn't love Tom Hanks, obviously, and Kevin Bacon and Bill Paxton, RIP. But when they're stuck and they have to get them home, there's that great scene where they take all the engineers, dump them in a room, lock them in, give them the same conditions, 
and the same materials that are up in the spaceship. And they're like, you got to make this square peg fit into this round hole to make a scrubber or they're going to die. Go. And and they do it and they figure it out. And it's it's like that. It reminds me of that. The core is, okay, Earth stops spinning. What do we do about it? And yeah, okay, unrealistic problem. But they create solutions like no wasn't an answer because everyone's going to die or you're going to fix it. And of course they fix it. So um, kind of like Armageddon, which could get an honorable mention on this. Um, not necessarily a normal problem per se, but same idea, you know, uh, with that. So big global threat that's cataclysmic and saved, but it was very cool because nerds win and nerds put it together. Um, going old school for a second, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, an epic movie that was based on, I believe, Robert Heinlein's, uh, book years before. So the idea that somebody's coming along and taking bodies, taking people, and they end up in like a pod. And, uh, you know, the movie rendition, again, it's dated. So it's cool because it's fledgling and yet pillar-like sci-fi that had to, um, you know, create all of what was be to come and, and, and make way for a lot of movies of that genre. And the most natural, logical next one to jump into would be The Faculty, the 1999 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So it's much more modern. They tweak a plot and... You've got um, this Elijah Wood rendition who apparently is into horror, uh, even though he's a hobbit or something, um, <laughs> ends up going into this perfect amoeba-type parasitic figure that is taking kids over by way of a high school in the middle of Ohio because all bad things happen in Ohio because nobody would expect it there, obviously. Sorry, Ohio. The way I see it, I'm from Philly, so, you know, Cleveland – you got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's be honest. We all know you didn't have anything. So they gave you that. But it really belongs here. So the way I see it, that's why you get um, the whole you know issue with that. You don't have any choice. Oh, because um, you obviously got stuck with uh, you know having to have the killers and the aliens and the invasions. and yeah, you know, It has to be that way. So I'm just saying. That was my sidebar. I'm sorry. So Ohio gets to get eaten. But... Um, that's them. Anyway, the the faculty is very cool and it's worth watching. And it's a modern day rendition of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And Clea Duvall even talks about uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and uh, Puppet Master and references a lot of old horror. And, and much like Scream, although in the horror genre, where they start talking about, uh, you know, Randy starts talking about movies and saying like, oh, this is where a person gets killed or you never say you're going to be back. There's like rules. And even though there's not, there kind of are. And one of them is apparently that you attack Ohio first because it's unsuspecting. So again, I'm sorry, Ohio. Anyhow, they're kind of neat. So the idea of like taking over a person or assuming an identity, that's super creepy because it's like you're vulnerable and you can't do anything about it. Um, 2001, very old school, uh, Space Odyssey, which later would give way to 2010. Still like a one better than 10. Um, almost pretentious in the sense that it is a perfectly shot movie. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, and I'm not saying it's a movie that I would want to sit and watch back to back. But if you've never seen it, just out of respect to the genre, you should give a look. It's, it's old school. But, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick was always a strange and unusual mind. And it's perfect in the sense that they'll show repeatedly, whether you catch it or not, is on you, precursors and references and foreshadowing to what's going to happen. And space is, in fact, a void. So you don't hear anything. And there's a lot of the movie where there's absolutely no sound, which drove people crazy. But in truth, it's 
it's honest because you wouldn't have sound in those space portals, etc. There's like this line that you see. No one pays attention to it, but the door that they eventually blow off to get out of the ship says, and they pan past it a million times, danger, explosive bolts. Nobody cares. It's just a warning on a door. But eventually, the bolts explode. You don't hear it because you're in space. Duh. People got freaked about that, by the way. But Kubrick kind of was giving points where it's like on, on target with this. The door flies off and then he gets to leave. The idea of the computer being super creepy. Hal, don't do that, Hal. You know, that was sort of the idea where you give way to the modern day Alexa or Siri or Michael Knight's kit later on with Knight Rider. You know, so there's a lot of like computers that um, create a persona and that could go good, bad or ugly. You got, um, you know, Jarvis and Friday with the Marvel series. You've, you know, on the good side, if you will. And then you have that whole bit with the uh, Ultron and things going wrong or AI where stuff goes bad. And so it's it's a nod to all that. But it, it is neat because it was um, actual astronauts and, and with Kubrickisms the way they are, it was done true to form and is technically a perfectly made movie in terms of the edit and the way it's it's portrayed. Just not um, necessarily something I wouldn't watch repeatedly. But, you know, I like it. Um giving way to AI. Let's talk about AI. So the movie itself, AI, um, which I thought was terribly depressing as much as I love Steven Spielberg. It's just so sad. I mean, it's like the kid develops a liking to the people and then he's depressed and he's got this psychotic Teddy Ruxpin wannabe little teddy bear that saves a lock of hair and he misses the mom and he kind of recreates her in a very Pinocchio kind of way. And you know, then, of course, he realizes he's alone forever and then he meets aliens and they didn't even know people because people self-destruct. And, you know, he tries to eat real food. And I want to be a real boy, but he's not. And, you know, let's be honest, of all the Disney canon, Pinocchio, probably one of my least favorite because it's kind of creepy. Because really, as much as Walt did a lot of uh, research in Europe, he probably should have read the Italian a little more closely because Pinocchio is not exactly a happy story for kids. But... I get it. So AI, I watched it. I enjoyed it. It was sad. I really try not to watch it. Um, more my speed on the AI level of things would be um, Minority Report, where you start to use tech. Humans are using tech to their advantage, maybe far beyond the reaches of premonition and things that they shouldn't. At least the precogs are real people. So it's not like we've given over in a leading toward, I'll say, Terminator sort of way where Cyberdyne Systems takes over or in the Matrix where the machines take over. Um, two huge franchises that I absolutely adore. So um, I think Minority Report, we still have the reins on and you don't have a person or a thing just completely taking over. I think with uh, honorable mention like Transcendence where you have Johnny Depp, he was like a sick, famous, rich guy and he tries to like confuse his consciousness into the uh, AI world, and he does, and of course he like takes over the stock market, and kind of wish he would do that now. But you know, it was like this whole thing, and it it was it was a different spin. Um, I think there was that uh, that one. I don't know if it was just called her. I think that was it. It was with the creepy mustache version of Joaquin Phoenix, where he falls in love with his phone and with the AI on the phone, and. It was, it was odd. They like have a relationship and then he's too slow for her and she ends up falling in love with another machine that's like in Cyberland. So it's kind of kind of interesting. I couldn't get past the creepy mustache. But anyway, those kind of, um, I'll say hostile takeovers or abandonments or ignorances from 
machines like Pish Posh, you stupid human, even though we were the original creators where they've uh, superseded us. And one of my favorites, iRobot, which again, you're going back, Isaac Asimov kind of uh, Will Smith spin on it, you know, um, really interesting movies because they would take humans sort of on the very cusp of control versus not with artificial intelligence. And then they either lose it, gain it or struggle to get it back. But they're all um, highly amusing, a lot of excitement, a lot of entertainment, quality value, a um, lot going on. And uh, they keep your attention and there's a lot uh, of action in the movies, but there's also an actual plot and decent actors. So they're, they're all worth watching. And like I said, the Matrix franchise, Terminator franchise, I can't say enough about it. The the one and done's like iRobot. Again, great movie. I could watch that back to back when it comes on. And again, that has a lot to do with Will Smith because he's very funny. But um, there's, there's a lot there. If you're going more the classic um, old school element of just plain old aliens, well, I guess it starts with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And that's the, I'll say, original Spielberg with uh, Richard, Richard Dreyfuss. And you've got this system of lights and they're trying to uh, communicate and something lands and they're going to go up and, and you get these little dudes come out in the end that's like your classic alien. And they were positive and they weren't trying to hurt anybody. And it was all in, um, I'll say, good faith and, and exploration. They play on that in Independence Day by giving a nod to the retrofitted light panel on the side of a Yui, and they put the helicopter up to do the light panels in the sequence that would have equated to the near, 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 near little notes. And of course, then they get blown out of the sky and they're like, no peace. You know, so those guys were not interested in any kind of collaboration. But that first Spielberg um, movie. Um, which he did a lot of these, obviously, but uh, that gives way to E.T., which was the cute little happy, you know, M&M's Reese's Cup guy. And um, he is, you know, other than the worst video game ever, which they say, it's a shame I, I never had that one and I didn't go looking for it either. I think they're on the landfill in New Mexico, at least that's what I hear. But um, for Atari, I never bought that one. But I had it in television first. E.T. and the idea of phone home and all was really... A little Drew Barrymore, a big hit. And I have to tell you, it's it's cute, you know, not my thing. As much as I love Spielberg, I never got into that, and I'll tell you why. It was too close for me, being the youngin' that I was, too close to Star Wars. And I wanted Star Wars, and I love Star Wars, and we'll be talking about that at length in a bit. Calm down. But it was smack in the middle of the timing between Empire and Jedi. I think Empire was like 81, 79, 80, 81, somewhere in there. And I think that E.T. was 82. And then Jedi was like 83, 84. So, you know, you went from original 77 Star Wars and ships and yay. So I'm this little kid that wants to experience that. And then I got a little kind of ugly monster with a weird like glowing finger who eats Reese's Cups and hides in piles of clothes, uh, you know, not the same thing. So, uh, and it's a shame because I don't think the tech was there to make the home where he's from as maybe as cool. I don't know that it ever do a sequel at this point, but he's Spielberg. He could do anything. But that was sort of, for me, is like the purism of Close Encounters of the Third Kind it gives way to an E.T. kind of campy, happy side of things. And then even later on, he goes into Men in Black. Again, with Will Smith. Do you see a theme? He must be into this. Um, it's a far departure from things like Bad Boys. But 
Um, Men in Black, you know, great acting. Obviously, you get Tommy Lee Jones in the mix too, and they went on to do the international one, and 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 they're they're funny because it's uh, not just the cast and how they deliver the system, but it's this idea of a secret society, and everybody always has this conspiracy theory, and they really play on Area Fifty One, and they did that as well with the Independence Day series. So anytime there was some sort of nod to secrecy or what's going on, it was it was more of the the joke and. Um, Again, what's not to love? So you see this more happy side and, you know, aliens, eh, they might be out to get us, but eh, some of them we work with and we have alliances with them. And yeah, didn't you know about it? And you know, here, let me flashy blinky you and you're done. You don't remember. So it was, it's the campy side of it. Um, I do think that on the not so campy side, you have things like Event Horizon, where there's an evil eye. You know, uh, there's like the Oculus that's going to come get you and it's like sucks you into the vortex of the underworld and all this kind of thing. Um, and there's like a ship and it's cursed and um, things like that. Uh, that's almost on the tip of paranormal, but it was still sci-fi. You're in the, in the spaceship and it's up in the future. So early Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, so it gets, it gets put in the sci-fi category, but because it's definitely not horror, but things things happen. Bad things happen to a lot of people on this ship. And it's just like it's um, kind of a, a possessed uh, a vessel. I would almost parallel it to Ghost Ship, and Ghost Ship is straight horror because there's nothing about the sci-fi genre in it. But same idea. You've got this like lost vessel, and it's you know going to some portal or something horrible, and it's doomed forever. So um, that was kind of neat for what it was. Uh, definitely different, little departure from um, other things, and, and as was old school Blade Runner. Which they re well, I shouldn't say they relaunched. I should say they brought up a very very late sequel. But Harrison Ford in both the original Blade Runner, um, you know the idea of copying people and um, it's just very uh, uh, new for its time. And I don't think it made the splash that people wanted it to in the box office. It was almost like too cutting edge, too avant garde, and it caught a cult following as a result but wasn't really made to catch on. Um, I think they thought it would do better than it did. And that's why it was able to make like a comeback. And it kind of like Tron, you know, unrelated, totally different plots, but same idea, original Tron, so much so they brought back the Tron. Now you got a Tron coaster in Disney. Tron was neat because at the time it was like, ooh, light cycle. You had all these things that were like Dune and Crawl and, you know, Mad Max, where it was this weird dystopian something, either in the desert or in the future, in the sand or in a matrix or in the, you know, somewhere in the vortex of whatever, whether it was lights or scary things or, um, and, and it was borderline fantastical um, in a labyrinth sort of way where you have this kind of wizardry, but not, so you can't straight up put it in a, Lord of the Rings category and it's not really dungeons and stuff and uh but it, it is also sort of capture and 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 dystopian and there's some element that's new waiver science that had to help you save you um or get out of this this terrible thing and uh a lot of them are being revisited or being relaunched or just straight up remade and it's more because of the background and the I'll say the accessory to it like what the Tech is there now to do more with the worlds or have more conversation about uh, the characters. So they're just all kind of uh, hodgepodge together, but a um, lot of them, a lot of them in that kind of uh, almost uh, games as well. I feel like there were a lot of 
uh, games that came out of it. There was a Tron game. There was a Dune game. There was a Crawl game. They didn't really go far, and they were old school gaming. I'm talking like 80s, but speaking of games and leaning towards that, you have Resident Evil. So zombie-esque, but science caused it. So um, I don't know that I'd put like old school George Romero Night of the Living Dead in there, but I would definitely put Resident Evil. You have the serum. They're trying to create like super soldiers. Same thing going on with Doom, also a video game. You know, Quake did the same. And you've got this like, you know, super soldier, but it can go bad because it suddenly develops a conscience and it's either a good thing or a bad thing and you don't know if you're going to be good or bad. And then um, that goes on for be a big franchise. Did I mention that Mila Jovovich is fantastic? I love her. And she shows up a bit here too, much like Will Smith, although he's probably more... I think she's very comedic. I would say Will Smith takes the cake when it comes to that in, in the battle of the two of them with uh, comedic talent. But she's a fantastic actress, and I think she's incredibly fit and, and so flawless in her execution of being this wonderful uh, you know, bastion of good for everything and against the Umbrella Corporation, and she's this, basically the super soldier Alice. But she appears again in a much more campy, sci-fi that's called fifth element with bruce willis which is just funny it's just it's just funny i mean there's spaceships and ridiculous characters and things but it's it's just funny the whole thing is funny um so she's this like lilu off uh you know flighty kind of aloof character and then she makes another appearance in a completely different style and genre in um the fourth kind which was a nod to um the uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but totally different. The Fourth Kind was supposedly based on, and I, I think they went a little Blair Witch with this. The people tried to say that there were people taken in Alaska and they put footage up on the internet that this was like a real thing and there were all these documented stories and all these testimonials. Now, it was done for the movie. So it wasn't real. At least the points they were trying to push were real. But, you know, people are sheep. So for the most part, they believed it and were watching this stuff as if it were verbatim. In reality, it was put up by the movie house. Now, have there been some shady things in the places that they were alleging? Yes. Uh, were there as many, like the hundreds they were talking about? No, I think there were like three or four cases, not dismissing what those people went through. But it was a lot with like outside noises and like owls would appear and she's flying planes throughout Alaska and she's supposed to be this psychologist unraveling all of it. And gets kind of sucked into the situation. So, again, Mila Jovovich and the campy, the funny, and the uh, almost paranormal, but not, you know, still kind of sci-fi fourth kind. Little fun facts backstory here. Um, I took an astronomy course uh, in, in grad school. And it was part of their science requirement. And I was terrified because I thought, oh, my God, I can't do science and math. Ew, I play with words. And um, I did like it. And uh, I, I, I liked it. We had a great uh, telescope and uh, got to go up on the roof and, and, and see things and stuff. And then we had to do a little bit of math, but I was able to actually pull it off. X equals, I'm not sure, but I figured it out. And one of the things that they talked about was like a lot of the Carl Sagan um, backstories and how they really did go looking for evidence of, you know, life on Mars and people out there and stars and things like that. And they talked about Galileo a lot because he was the original um, keeper of all things uh, uh, in astronomy and named a lot of the things. And one thing that I had no idea, a fact that came up, was that they did have a system. It was the first kind, second kind, third kind that were supposed to be. That's where the Close Encounters uh, series 
actually came from that you know it was like people and stuff on earth and then people in the next like realm and then people that were from somewhere else and uh as of that time that uh carl sagan had put it together and a lot of these scientists had started to actually investigate these things there were no sightings that were considered official or real obviously people talk about area 51 who knows wasn't there but they dismissed it as testing or whatever and there was no official data or support that that was a uh, true evidence of any kind of fourth kind uh, i'm sorry any kind of third kind uh, encounter so that there was no, nobody that was out of this world literally <laughs> so um there's that i um there's a nod to that i get a kick out of the movie the core which I mentioned before because Stanley Tucci starts doing this routine and he teases him the whole time. And the cast is like, you're going to do that Carl Sagan thing the entire way that we're on the trip. And uh, he's constantly talking into his voice recorder and making a book deal and whatever. And it's very Carl Sagan-esque of that. So it's a nod to where this came from in the terminology. So it's just all inter interwoven and, and pretty uh, interesting how they did it. And if you, if you get the joke, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who get the joke and those who don't, if you get the joke and you understand the reference, then it's always better and funnier than if you don't. Um, this one is more of a joke, but I have to put it in there. Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You can't really do anything without the Rocky Horror Picture Show being put into sci-fi. I mean, horror in the title, it's a musical. I mean, who, you know, who doesn't have a musical in the sci-fi category? It was... Originally released, uh, I believe, in London with Tim Curry on the theatrical stage. It picks up momentum. They put it on the stage, I think, out in L.A., late 70s. And that, that's how Meatloaf first got into a theater, playing the character Betty. And they create the movie. And Richard O'Brien, a.k.a. Riff Raff, makes the movie. There was, believe it or not, a sequel that most people don't know about. I haven't even seen the sequel. I kind of hear it's terrible, but um, very different. And it's it's controversial based on the ridiculousness of the content. But for modern day audiences and what you're actually watching, it's pretty benign considering, you know, it's more double entendre and illusions than anything. But um, very funny that it has a soundtrack very funny that it's sci-fi based yet this big horror castle and they're trying to go frankenstein and build well eddie and then ultimately rocky definitely laughable and not a serious sci-fi movie but i had to throw it in there because it's a perfect fusion of, of sci-fi and horror and uh don't forget that musical part so the soundtrack's very good i don't care what anybody says the soundtrack's very good um that soundtrack multiple times for my sister because people kept stealing it because they liked it a lot. And you can still find in a couple of theaters every now and again midnight showings where they bring everything and throw stuff at the uh, at the stage. I'd hate to be cleanup crew after that. But anyway, if you've never seen it, it's worth watching and uh, honorable mention. So I'd say the two big empires in the end here, if I uh, was doing some sort of top ten, I'm way beyond ten, the two big empires are Star Trek and Star Wars. And some people argue that you're either Trekkie or you're in Star Wars. I say no, because I've loved both forever. And Star Trek is a huge franchise. It's gone on in many directions for literally decades and hundreds of episodes. The original actually only ran like two years and was canceled, but gave way to six movies and then a crossover movie, which gave way to 
the uh, Next Generation, which gave way to Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and you went through the, um, really, they kind of hit every mark with the captain. You know, you have the, the, the rogue guy, you have the, the, the diplomat, you know, you have the negotiator, you have uh, all the different uh, types of, of characters that are in there and the people filling them. And, you, of course, you have all this diversity throughout the, uh, the cultures of these foreign but foreign from other planets, not just on Earth. You know, Earth's like pish posh. They're in so many systems, and there's this federation. And it's gone over probably, I think, 12 different realms of franchise at this point. And, you know, has the Chris Pine version of, of things out now, which I don't know uh, if they're going to create another one. I hope they do, but they've gone a couple movies deep as well. And even mixed in older characters and um, the original characters from the first series in the 60s. So Star Trek... Um, very neat, uh, very cool, definitely ahead of its time. And despite the fact that it was probably put together with cardboard and duct tape behind the scenes, everything that you heard or saw was stuff that would come. There was things that would be created. The idea of like a recorder or a cell phone, not far off from one another. You know, have a little thing in your ear that you could be able to talk to somebody else that, you know, whoever was trying to contact uh, Dr. Spock. Oh, yeah, you know, no big deal. You've got, you know, two-way... Uh, uh, systems that people use all the time between walkie-talkies and, and earpieces and cameras and things. So a lot of that was was uh, not invented at the time, but its fictionality became reality. And, you know, you look for that. As far as Star Trek goes, if I had to pick one, because some of them were cheesy, not going to lie, like the one with the whales, um, I really like First Contact and also kind of keeping with that alien theme um, with... Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes, who's number one, wrote a lot of the movies, wrote a lot of the series, was a predominant writer in other sci-fi things, wrote the entire Roswell series, not the one that's on now, but the original one that came out on like the WB a long time ago. So he's always been a um, prolific writer and he's written other things too. He was even involved in the, um, there was like a 80s, uh, mini series, which was happening in the eighties to have a mini series. Cause now of course, you know, cable is much more of a thing, but he did uh North and the South and he was part of that too, which is obviously not sci-fi, but uh, Jonathan Frakes is a pretty big writer when it comes to all the, um, the, the sci-fi genres and a lot of the TV series. So um, that I liked first contact because it was same kind of thing there. Uh, Space time continuum. You're fighting the Borg resistance is futile. They end up in the United States in Montana. And it's right before one of the first launches of some fictional missile and it ends up becoming uh, the first contact that they happen to have with, oh, surprise, the Vulcans, hence why Spock and you know the uh, alliance gets formed there. But uh, it's a star-studded cast, pretty cool. Uh, I like it a lot. And it's just one of many movies, but if I had to pick a movie, um, that would be one that I really liked. Uh, it's a shame because in Vegas there used to be in the Hilton Casino, which I don't even know if the Hilton exists anymore, but there was the Star Trek experience and you could go eat in Quark's Bar, and you could get, like, kind of the equivalent now of Oga's Cantina in um, in Disney. But uh, it was actually a big space, and it had a lot of museum stuff for Star Trek, and it had um, a lot of characters, and it had a little bored, creepy guy walking around, and you could see a lot of the things from the shows. I don't know what happened to the exhibit or if it got put somewhere else or what, but this is going back to, like, 04 when I saw it. It was pretty cool. Um and that probably leads me to my favorite number one, which would be Star Wars. I would say it shaped my life because I was a wee tot when I saw it. Uh, Star Wars has as much, definitely more even, uh, reach and uh, rewatchability um, 
because it went on and on. The franchise is huge. I don't think it'll ever end. It's gone into books. It's gone into animation. It's gone into everything that Disney Plus has now created a spinoff series. It certainly had nine movies. It's funny. Everybody thought it was a trilogy, and then it kind of became a non-ilogy, if that's a thing. Um, you know, so it's it's gigantic. Of course, George Lucas comes out with this brain trust and uh, has it forever, sells it to Disney, and it'll still always be George Lucas's in my mind. But he was a visionary to that. And, and you know, we're at the school and work for Spielberg. I find that funny because, like, he had Star Wars and he had, you know, Indiana Jones and certainly Spielberg's had millions of things. And I'm sure they've called each other and worked and collaborated on many things together. But um, you have these two great film minds coming out of school around the same time. It's almost the uh, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozni of uh, all things uh, sci-fi and thriller, you know, and um, that it went to that point where you're way past no return. Everybody's into it. Everybody's obsessed. And, and you can still regurgitate a lot of the same things. And it all comes down to good versus evil. You know, it all comes down to everybody gets behind it because, again, it's a planetary thing, or in this case, literal systems and cosmos uh, after cosmos, you know, fighting uh, for one thing against this evil nastiness. And I always talk about how there's the, the black and white of it all. You have this very dark gray and... Um, there's not too many women. They started to kind of bring them in to be nasty characters, but not really. I think that was just more of a PC move. But traditionally, the Empire was cold and dark and, and a lot of just guys and machinery and almost matrixy, you know. And then you had the light side, literally, and the white side or the tan side or the sand and the snow and, like, elements, if you will. And females appear and light appears and goodness appears. And it's this constant struggle of, you know, A versus B, plus versus minus, black versus white, like yin-yang, kind of a fight. And um, it's, you know, it's forever. So literally interstellar, <laughs> good movie, by the way, um, and literally uh, playing with space-time continuum as far as it goes. So it's it's probably the be-all, end-all. And I think that if you're really into um, any kind of sci-fi, you might even not put Star Wars in the category because it's its own special entity above everything else. But... Um, Definitely longevity has evolved and it has spearheaded a lot of what I mentioned today because there's elements in it and uh, gave probably some interest or spark of imagination to a lot of these other projects. And I think it will go on to do that forever because no matter how old you are, whether you saw the originals or the relaunches or spinoffs or things that are coming out now it, it'll just never go away it's not going to be something uh that leaves much like coca-cola disney mcdonald's it's just iconic americana so to joke about adam sandler's pixel which i love very much having been a gamer in the 80s yeah if there were a capsule that got thrown somewhere in the universe and there is life elsewhere and they found it and they found those things they're definitely going to think that we're at war with all of the universe at some point because we're constantly going somewhere to blow somebody up on a Star Cruiser. But, hey, what can I say? Somebody had to talk about the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy and the castle run, you know? But, um, yeah, it, I would say Star Wars wins if there, were, if there were a contest, and it would win on my contest. So that's my uh, 25, uh, my two cents and the 25-cent version, as I like to call it, of all things sci-fi because... Uh, that's that's what I like. I hope I provided you with some info to maybe go watch 
one of these or if you've never seen one before or if you don't know about them and inspired you to either write your own, make your own, make one up, watch it, enjoy it, like it, find something new or go see something and catch something that you might not have noticed before in one of the movies that you missed or something like that. If nothing else, uh, I'm full of useless knowledge. So if you like what you heard today, then check us out at eclecticcollectionpodcast.com or listen to us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tanaglia. Thanks for listening.